Start selling on Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash POS for a $1 per month trial. Hi there. This is a special Sunday edition of CNN Five Things. I'm David Rind. And we're doing something a little different today. We know all week long you're bombarded with constant headlines and push alerts and your mom asking questions. It can be tough to make sense of it all. Luckily, though, we have a huge group of journalists here at CNN who spend every day doing just that by talking to the people directly impacted by the biggest stories shaping our world. So every Sunday, we're going to talk to one of those reporters about a story they've been covering to get a clearer picture of what's going on. We're calling it Five Minutes With, and this week we're spending five minutes with CNN's Clarissa Ward. She's our chief international correspondent and the host of the brand new podcast from CNN Audio, Tug of War, which is all about the fight for democracy all over the world. But today, I want to focus on Afghanistan. We're about 200 yards, even less than 200 yards away from the entrance to the Kabul airport. Uh, There are Taliban fighters all around. Over the past few months, Clarissa has been reporting from Afghanistan as America's 20-year war there came to an end and the Taliban took over. This is a site I honestly thought I would never see. Scores of Taliban fighters and just behind us, the U.S. Embassy compound. And Clarissa is here with us now. Thanks so much for being here. I wanted to talk to you because I know you've been keeping in touch with so many Afghans who weren't able to make it out of the country and are so afraid of what comes next. Before we get to them, first, take me back to August in the early days of the takeover. How were people approaching the possibility of a return to Taliban rule? Thanks for having me on. And it's an excellent question because it's not a black and white picture. There are many parts of Afghanistan where people were delighted to see the back of the U.S., where Mm. people associated America's presence in the country with drone strikes and detentions and endless bloodshed and war. But for so many Afghans, and especially those living in cities, and especially women, people who are educated, had gone to university, and women who suddenly had an enormous amount of freedom and rights, which they really did not have before, to see the Taliban sweep to power so quickly was just heartbreaking and also absolutely petrifying. She's not answering. Hold on. Hi, Fauzia. It's Clarissa from CNN. We are, I think, very close to your home. Fauzia Kufi is an extremely well-known politician and women's rights activist. Uh, She was part of the Afghan peace talks. She was a member of parliament. There's Taliban fighters outside your door. What are they doing there? I haven't really communicated with them. They have been here for two days. We haven't asked them. And when I visited her on the ground in August, she was basically under house arrest. Mm. She had armed Taliban guards outside her door. And she has now successfully left the country and is traveling tirelessly around the world trying to raise awareness about what's going on in Afghanistan as we're seeing a real decline in women's rights. But she said something, you know, that really stuck with me. I know for sure that we will resist any oppression that will take Afghanistan back to where it was 20 years back. She said the Taliban may not have changed in 20 years, despite uh, what they've been saying. But the people of Afghanistan, they have changed. 
It's about this generation transformation. I don't think anybody will be able to oppress those women to stay home. We're already seeing pockets of resistance. And it's not just going to be a straightforward exercise whereby the Taliban can arbitrarily implement their will onto people using brute force. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. So many Afghans have said they're afraid of punishments that could come from the Taliban and their strict interpretation of Sharia law. Are we seeing that on the ground there now? It's interesting. I think they're avoiding directives or policy that would jeopardize their chances of getting international aid flowing again because that aid has been frozen since the Taliban took over and they're desperate for it to be resumed. At the same time, they have still implemented some really, really controversial and frankly just very difficult to understand edicts such as inviting boys above sixth grade to go back to school, but saying that girls should continue to stay at home. The second day we arrived, there was a horrific scene in the city of Herat. It's one of the major cities in Afghanistan. And four men their bodies were hanged from cranes in public areas displayed wow. to people. The Taliban claimed that they were kidnappers who had been killed in a raid. And one man's, uh, on on his chest, there was a sign that says, this is what will happen to abductors. Hmm. They also have formed a government, which despite the, the pleas of the international community, has not been inclusive, does not include any women, does not include ethnic minorities. Hmm. And so while they've refrained from issuing any other directives that might um, jeopardize their chances of being internationally recognized, it's clear from the little glimpses we've seen that it does not appear the Taliban has really changed their colors fundamentally. So I guess where does that leave the average Afghan then? Are people still able to get out if they want to? And if they can't, what does the next few months look like for them? I think the outlook is pretty bleak for a lot of people right now. There's not a day that goes by when I don't receive multiple messages from Afghans who worked with U.S. forces, who worked with the U.S. embassy, who've applied for their special immigration visas, their civs as they're called and who are desperately awaiting the news that perhaps they might be able to leave. And they're not getting that news, unfortunately. We want peace. Uh, We are tired of this uh, ongoing war. What does the future look like to you now? You know, uh, I cannot predict even in seconds right now, uh, and I can't predict even minutes right now. Some others are starting to resign themselves to the fact that it's not going to be straightforward and it could take a very long time and it may not even be possible and they may have to work out how to carve out a new life for themselves. Yesterday I have lost everything. Like I I don't feel secure in here. You're afraid? Yeah, I'm afraid. I'm afraid from everything. But that is very difficult when they believe themselves to be in danger because of their previous association with the U.S., Okay, Clarissa Ward, it's such important reporting. And you can check out her new podcast, Tug of War, if you want to hear more about Afghanistan and the struggle for democracy all over the world, from Russia to Sudan to Myanmar and more. That's Tug of War, and it's available now wherever you listen to podcasts. Clarissa Ward, thanks so much. Thank you. 
All right, we're going to step away real quick, but when we come back, we'll take a look at what's coming up this week. Welcome back. Here's a little of what's happening this week. On Tuesday, the FDA's Vaccine Advisory Committee will meet to discuss Pfizer's vaccine for kids ages 5 to 11. Shots could go into arms as soon as early November after the CDC weighs in. Later this week, President Biden is off to Italy for his second overseas trip as president, where he'll meet with Pope Francis at the Vatican and G20 leaders in Rome. He'll then travel to Glasgow, Scotland to attend the big UN climate summit. And CNN is one of 17 U.S. news organizations reporting on the Facebook papers. You'll be seeing more of that reporting this week. Okay, that's it for us. This episode was produced by Paolo Ortiz and me, David Rind. Our senior producer is Mohamed Darwish. Our supervising producer is Greg Peppers. And the executive producer of CNN Audio is Megan Marcus. Special thanks this week to Matt Dempsey, Ashley Lusk, Alex McCall, Lindsay Abrams, Justin Kim, Liz Roberts, Rafina Ahmad, Haley Thomas, Emily Liu, Colin Wallace, and Francisco Monroy. I'll be back next Sunday doing this again, but you can check back here tomorrow morning, bright and early at 6 a.m. Eastern Time and throughout the day for all the latest headlines. Talk to you later. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent. This week on Chasing Life... I'm a health reporter and have been for 15 years. And even I feel overwhelmed by some of the things I read about the stuff we're eating. My colleague Meg Terrell wanted to take a deep dive into something you've probably heard a lot about recently. Ultra-processed foods. There is a lot to learn there, some fascinating stuff. And some of it is probably going to change the way you shop. Listen to Chasing Life wherever you get your podcasts.